Everyone needs a pastor. A visit to the pastor's study brings biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you and help from those with proven experience in Christian service. We want you to be part of the program during the 30 minutes ahead. To visit the pastor's study today, text your question at 516-367-0391. Again, that's 516-367-0391. Now welcome to today's Visit to the Pastor's Study with Pastor Bill Shishko. And I am your host, Pastor Bill Shishko. We invite your calls for the program. Now, if you're listening on Saturday, the live call-in number is 631-955-5400-631-955-5400. Or as you've already heard from our voice of the visit to the pastor's study, you can text your questions anytime in the week, 516-367-0391. Well, for this month's programs, we're considering various types of ministries in our nation and to our culture. The goal is to inform you of what's out there, but also to challenge involved in your own area doing things that help further the kingdom of God and the lives of men and women and boys and girls. While the number of refugees coming to the United States has declined in recent years, our nation still has a huge refugee population, and with those refugees is an opportunity to bring the gospel to many nations without ever leaving your own community. Refugees are people who have fled their home countries because of famine, civil war, and persecution. They can't or won't return to the land of their birth and upbringing until and unless those conditions change. The leading large cities with significant refugee populations are Chicago, Illinois, San Jose, California, New York City, San Francisco, California, and Washington, D.C. But many mid-sized cities offer an easier transition to a new land and a new culture and better job opportunities. Cities like Indianapolis, Indiana, Louisville, Kentucky, Troy, Michigan, and Minneapolis, Minnesota have become quite attractive for refugees. Among those mid-sized cities known for its welcome of refugees is Boise, Idaho. In the early 1970s, the city of Boise, Idaho began a refugee resettlement program that attracted many people from Southeast Asia. And since then, the refugee population has grown so that Boise has one of the largest refugees per capita of the total city population in the United States, people from Iraq, Somalia, Afghanistan, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and Afghanistan find a home in Boise, Idaho, after fleeing their own war-torn countries. And like all refugees, they need help, beginning with transportation from the airport, train station, or bus terminal to the place they'll live as they begin their time in the United States. From there, well, they need help with learning the language, acquiring job skills, and acquiring jobs, learning about the laws of their new country, and learning about its culture and how to function in it. All of these things give rich opportunities for bringing the gospel to others. It's foreign missions in reverse, if you will. Instead of you packing up and going to another country to serve, others pack up, usually with very little, and come to places in which they need to be served. And you have the opportunity to represent the great servant Jesus to them as you serve this special group of pilgrims and strangers. 
I've been fascinated to learn of the ministry that Nagma Panahi has with the refugee community in Boise, Idaho. Nagma was born in Tehran, the capital city of Iran, and then moved to the United States of America with her parents when she was nine years old. After living in San Jose, California for a year, she and her parents moved to Boise, Idaho. So in her youth, she learned what it was to be a stranger in a foreign country. She moved back to Iran in the early 2000s and lived there for about a decade before moving back to the United States. During her time in Iran, she developed many ties with the house churches there, and today she keeps those contacts and also works with Iranian refugees and many others. From her special background, she knows very well the kinds of things necessary to effectively bring the gospel to people of other cultures, and that ministry has been amazing. Nagma Panahi is my guest on today's A Visit to the Pastor's Study. As you guessed, our topic is ministry to refugees. And in the minutes ahead, you'll get lots of good suggestions for having the same kind of ministry right in your own communities. Again, we invite your questions. If you're listening on Saturday, you can call the studio and be live on the program, 631-955-5400. Or you can text your questions at any time, 516 516- Three six seven zero three nine one. Nagme Panahi, welcome to a visit to the pastor's study. Thank you, Pastor Bill. Great to have you with us. Let's dive in. Tell us how your ministry to refugees in Boise, Idaho, began. Well, as soon as I could drive, I, I was born in a Muslim family and came to America and became a believer. Christ found me here, here in America, and um, so I. I always had a heart for people, especially Muslims, um, that are here in the United States, that a lot of people don't think they could ever become Christians. And um, I really couldn't do much growing up because my parents were still Muslims. They ended up becoming Christians about a decade after me and my twin brother did. So um, as soon as I got my driver's license when I was about 16, that's when I started uh, volunteering with uh, World Relief, which was a refugee uh, uh, program here that brought in refugees and helped them settle, resettle in Boise. So that's, that's when I started getting involved with in my teenage years. But Nagme, you're, you're a mom now with two children. What does your week look like? I'm wondering how you balance your opportunities for ministries with the responsibility of being a parent. You know, I... Um, and I'm really thankful to God that he's provided time for me to be able to reach refugees even now as a single mom. And But um, I spend a day in prayer um, and a couple days in the week, usually uh, a day in the week in the morning when the kids are in school, I go out to um, low-income housing near my house or near my church. And um, that's where a lot of refugees are. Now, not all of them are not refugees, but a lot of low-income housing are where the refugees are. And that's where I go, and I start meeting with women. A lot of them are women with little children, um, and that's when I start talking with them. And then another time in the week, usually in the evening, I take my kids so that my kids would also um, see a different world of low-income and refugees from people from all over the world and that they can also learn to share the gospel. I, you know, I encourage them to pray for, for the kids, pray with the kids, 
share about their relationship with Christ, and I can see as they're growing and learning and becoming more comfortable about evangelism and sharing the gospel with, especially with Muslims. So you go to a home, and, and how do you, what's, what's your intro? How, how, tell us a little bit of some of the specific things you say and do when you, when you meet with these people you've never met before. You know, um, a lot of these countries from Africa and Middle East are warm cultures. So as soon as um, you enter into their neighborhoods, the women are already out there talking with each other. The children are already running around playing with each other. And, um, you know, uh, as you enter, they actually are really lonely. Imagine leaving America and being placed in a very secluded you know, Africa or Middle East and knowing no one, of course, you're well, you are, would be so open to welcoming people that are from that culture. So actually, it's really easy. A lot of people think it's hard, but it's really easy whether they're in grocery stores. I talk to them. They're really lonely. A lot of them are dealing with depression and they actually come alongside. Um, they're of warm culture. Again, they invite you to their house. They want you to have tea with them, coffee, um, Food with them. They really are, actually, they're the ones that really draw you in. Anyone working with refugees knows that um, you really have to resist a lot of that because it, it can become a lot of, like, um, in those neighborhoods from house to house, neighborhood to, uh, to, you know, food and coffee and tea and socializing because that's the culture they're in. And uh, it's really not that hard. Uh, the best way I've been able to do it initially is to take my kids. And it's very natural. My kids start playing with their kids, and then I start talking to the mom. Yeah, and is or, it, yeah. So, so unlike dealing with with secularists in the United States, where you've sometimes got to go quite a time before you can actually get to dealing with them about Christ, you're able to get into those waters rather quickly with the refugees, right? Yeah, I was also going to say sometimes churches do events like um, at one neighborhood I got involved with. The churches were helping. Um, with the low-income planting stuff and stuff. Another way I, I was able to get into one of the neighborhoods. But it's pretty quick, yeah, because when you get to know them, it might sometimes it's immediate. They start asking about, for example, for me, they ask me, oh, where are you from? And I talk about it, and um, they find out I'm a Christian. They ask me, how come you're a Christian if you're from Iran? You were born there, and I explain it. But um, usually um, it, it can be immediate where they start asking about your faith. They don't really have any personal walls, or they're easily, like, they'll cross that line and ask about your belief and ask, you know, questions. But sometimes it takes weeks of going back and forth before the woman especially open up to me and talk about the abuse and what's going on in their, uh, in their lives and struggles, depression, anxiety, and that just becomes the perfect time for me um, to share Bible, open up the Bible, start to, I've started doing some Bible studies with them where... Um, I point them to Christ for their source of um, healing and strength. And, and sometimes as I've shared with the woman, the husband has walked in, and he gave his life to Christ. There was an instant where I was sharing with that Iraqi woman, and the husband walked in and asked what I was doing. And I very resistant. I was, I was, I was kind of scared to tell him, but I told him, and he said, I believe Jesus is Lord. And um, so, you know, God has, has brought in his sovereignty. He's brought people here place them in our cities and our neighborhoods for a purpose, and there are his chosen there that um, he knows. We, it's, the pressure is not on us. It's just yeah. sharing the gospel as we get to know them, 
And it's it's God who brings those fruit. It brings us out. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does the work in their hearts where they believe Jesus is Lord. And it's really not on us, but it is on us to be witnesses and share the gospel. That's what we're called to do. So, Nagma, do you find that refugees who don't come from Christian backgrounds are, are responsive to the gospel, or are they resistant, or what kinds of responses? Again, for people that don't know anything about the Christian faith, what's it like? The secular Muslims are harder, have been harder for me to talk about um, Christianity with. They're, they don't wear the head covering, they don't follow all the rules, and they're really harder to reach. I don't know why. The very devout Muslims with the head covering, the mosque-goers, the ones who are trying to please God, they've actually been the ones who come to know the Lord. Fascinating. And yeah. um, it is, because in our minds, we think they're the unreachable. They're the ones that will never, ever, like, become Christians. But those are the ones that are actually more open to the gospel because they're the fear of God. They want to try to please this angry God of Islam. And so, yeah, I, there is. There is from all from, I've shared the gospel with Somalian, Iraqi, Iranian. I mean, you see even the most devout. And I was actually one mosque was uh, complaining that Nagme is trying to convert our, all of our members because a lot of their mosques were the ones that were being drawn to the gospel. Wow. You, you see, folks, why I said Nagme is a fascinating person, and, and her work in Boise, Idaho, and beyond is fascinating. We're going to come back to, uh, with Nagme with some suggestions for you folks. But first of all, let's hear this message from the voice of a visit to the pastor's study. It's not enough to listen to pastors on the radio or to watch them on television. Everyone needs a biblically faithful pastor, and everyone needs a biblically faithful church. A Visit to the Pastor's Study is a ministry of the Orthodox Presbyterian Churches in the metropolitan New York area. We're no substitute for a faithful pastor in a local church, but we are a supplement. Visit our website, www.visitthepastorsstudy.org, and you can bring the ministry of this program right to your electronic device. Here you'll find archives of past programs, a weekly message from Pastor Bill's Pastor's Post, helps for pastors, helps for congregation members, material for officer training, and much more. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. And we also invite you to contact the host of this program, Pastor Bill Shishko. You can email him at visitpastorbill at gmail.com. He'd love to hear from you so that he can bring his pastoral ministry to you personally. That's visitpastorbill.com. Bill at gmail.com. Remember, everyone needs a pastor. And now back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Your host, Pastor Bill Shishko, with you today. Topic, Ministry to Refugees. My guest is Nagma Panahi, who has really a model personal ministry to refugees in Boise, Idaho, and beyond, I might add. You can text your questions at any time in the week on any topic, 516 Three six seven zero three nine one. You can call my own study with your questions five one six five nine three one five zero seven. Or as you just heard, you can email me at visit Pastor Bill. That's all one word. Visit Pastor Bill at gmail dot com. Nagma, what, what's been your experience with the way churches respond to the prospect of helping with ministry to refugees? I think majority of churches that have talk to are afraid. Um, they don't know what to expect. They don't know how to approach. Um, they're afraid of um, retaliation from the mosque or other Muslims. 
Um, so there's been a lot of fear that has bound the church in sharing the gospel with Muslims, uh, but also a lot of fear of unknown. How do I approach them? What if I break cultural norms? And uh, just, you know, looking at my own life and looking at the Bible, God works in his sovereignty as I work through our mistakes. You know, he, um, it's all, you know, we shouldn't be afraid of mistakes or things, messing things up. God uses it all for his glory, for his kingdom. And so I would say, you know, fear is the number one obstacle and from different ranges of fear of retaliation from local Muslims or mosques this year of not knowing how to do it. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so what practical suggestions do you give to churches, both so that they can be welcoming to refugees, and I guess probably same suggestions to individuals? And and you might add, are there things they should be careful not to do in ministry to refugees? You know, with Muslims, it's mainly, you know, women reach women, men reach men, women can't shake hands with men. That would be the main one. Um, but really, it's, you know, different countries have different cultures. We shouldn't be bound up in what if they understand that this is America, that you, people don't know all, everything about their culture, and it's okay to make mistakes. I've actually made so many mistakes myself, having been from Iran and um, with other Middle Eastern countries, but I didn't know that was how they handle things, or um, African countries. And it's okay. It's actually God has used those mistakes to bring us closer together and laugh about it and be like, oh, sorry, I had no idea. I didn't mean to offend. And then it actually brought us closer together. So, you know, not to worry about mistakes. But, um, well, help us, I'm... help us, Nagman. What are some of those mistakes you've made so we don't make them? Um, this, the difference, um, it's from, uh, for example, the way you approach the women versus the men. Um, in a lot of cultures, you, as a, you shouldn't even, you know, try to make communication with a man. Um, you're, as a woman, you should, um, and a lot of the Middle East and African cultures, women sit differently, they're in a different location. And just that um, separation between men and women to honor that. Um, sometimes it's the food. Um, I brought food that was not halal, that was not sacrificed in a certain way, which you know, a lot of their um, tradition comes from actually Old Testament of how animals are sacrificed and not to eat pig and not to, you know, do this and that. And so, but I, I, I didn't remember that, so I would invite them over and I have, I have food that was not necessarily something they could eat or something like that. Yeah, okay. um, or, you know, I've, um, it's just it's a different range of things, but it's actually been good to talk about all of those things, and it has brought us closer together. Yeah, I'd add to, to what Nagmas said. I've learned this from my own mistakes dealing with, with Muslims. Early on uh, in my ministry, I was in the home of a Muslim family, and I put my Bible on the floor with a little table nearby and had what I thought was a very good conversation until toward the end the man said, I could never respect your religion. I was floored. And excuse the pun, and and he, I said, why? And he said, you put your holy book on the floor. I have never done that since, incidentally. So, yeah, I, I appreciate, yeah. appreciate that. Uh, yeah, and the they food. They put their right. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was gonna, I was gonna say the food. Yeah, obviously, don't, when you're dealing with Muslims, don't bring pork, folks. Yeah, and they put their Quran at the very top of there. If you know, if you walk in, they put it at the very top shelf. That's showing highest respect. So you're right. If uh, how you treat your Bible, it matters to them, and how you know. And of course, the Quran. You can't 
um, they're really sensitive about it, you know. Right. So, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, well Nogmeg, sorry they interrupted you. What What practical suggestions? Give us some other practical suggestions, say, for individuals and families who want to reach out to refugees. I would say the first step is what Jesus said, um, that, first of all, that you see that there is a harvest, and you see that it's plenty. If you don't, then pray to God to reveal it to you. Um, and Jesus said, when you, you know, look, the harvest is plenty, but pray for the Lord of the harvest to bring labor. So I would start with prayer. I wouldn't even try to go into these neighborhoods without having first prayed, 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 prayed as a church, as individually, and, um, and you know, that, for the leading of the Holy Spirit, and to see the harvest. Because a lot of times we look at Muslims and we don't see a harvest, but it's there. And it's exciting, and God has His chosen people in the in in there, they're they're in that in those communities. So I would say pray, and then I would say ask God. Paul, the apostle, prayed for boldness, and so I'm not ashamed to pray for boldness, and not be ashamed of the gospel. Sometimes you step into these neighborhoods and you're ashamed, like to say certain things. And I pray that every time I pray for boldness and not to be ashamed of the gospel when I step into these neighborhoods, and just. Be yourself. Um, really, you know, a lot of churches are afraid of money. What if, how much is it going to take to help these people? I haven't had to spend much. A lot of what I do is spend time with them, take them to doctors and, you know, take them to different appointments, sit with them, cry with them, pray with them. And I tell them, as I take them to doctor's appointments and stuff, I tell them, these are great that I'm doing this, but I would not be a good friend if I didn't tell you about Jesus, if I didn't give you what you actually needed. So every single time. Maybe the first time, sometimes it takes months before I say this, but every single time I make sure each family I have contact with, I share the gospel because I tell them, if these things I'm helping you with, that's nothing compared. If I don't share Christ with you, I have not been a good friend. I have not been helping you at all. So to make sure um, that we're helping, we're there. You know, more than the money, they really need someone to be there. It, sometimes it ruins our schedule. And I've noticed with a lot of churches, especially those who are really set on certain schedules, you know, they, they have certain family time, they have certain sports time, and there's really no room to get messy and go into a refugee life and get to know them. And sometimes we have to let our schedule get messy to get to know a refugee family and share the gospel. Yeah. And I would say that's another big obstacle I've seen in um, our individualistic, very organized culture. We become so organized that we just, there's no room for us to... Take a night, take a few nights, and just sit with refugee families and get to know them and share the gospel. Well, thanks, Nagma Panahi. And if you'd like to contact Nagma, you can just contact me through the contact information we'll give to you, and we'll put you in contact with Nagma. Thank you so much. We come to the council from the pastor's study, and I'm putting it under the word the phrase "love of the stranger," the literal meaning of the Greek word for hospitality love of the stranger. There's two very blunt New Testament texts about showing love for the stranger. One is Romans 12 and verse 13. One of our Christian duties and privileges is to contribute to the needs of the saints. But right next to that is not the rather tepid statement, seek to show hospitality, as one popular Bible translation puts it, but the very lively pursue hospitality. Look for opportunities to show love to the stranger and go after those opportunities. The Lord loves the stranger, and you should too. And then Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2, 
Listen to it translated in the original language. The love of the stranger don't overlook. For through this, without knowing it, some have entertained angels as their guests. That's fascinating. Even as people in the Old Testament periodically had angels as their guests, you may have the same in a person you see simply as a foreigner, an immigrant, a refugee, a stranger to your city, town, or country. In showing love to the stranger, you may find out one day you are really showing love to an angel. Wow. My pastor's counsel to you today is get over your fears. Don't let the difficult and polarizing issues regarding immigration keep you from your Christian privilege and duty. Do you have people from other countries in your area? Well, make it a point to get to know them. Pursue the love of the stranger. Bring them a meal. Better yet, open up your home. Remember that God opens his house to us when we're strangers to his grace and his kingdom. I mean, that's what, that's what the gospel's all about. Make yourself available to help a refugee or a stranger of any sort. Take them to an employment office or to a place that gives job skills. Introduce them to an ESL class. English is a second language. And remember, you're also able to help refugees learn English. But above all, as Nagmas said, tell them about Jesus, the great lover of strangers. Get the person a Bible and good Christian literature in his or her own native language. Bring the person to church with you. Introduce your friend. Remember, we're friends of strangers. Introduce your friend to other church friends and do everything you can to build a refugees group of friends in your new country. Represent the friendship of Jesus, the great friend of sinners. Hey, Sunday's the Lord's Day. Be sure to set apart time to worship the Lord in a church that's faithful to the Word of God. And remember, everyone needs a pastor. You've been listening to this week's A Visit to the Pastor's Study, a ministry of Reformation Metro New York Incorporated in the Orthodox Presbyterian Churches of Metropolitan New York and Connecticut. For more information on the program, check out our website at www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. Listen in next week for another Visit to the Pastor's Study. Remember, everyone needs a pastor.